everybody, and welcome to the Tuesday Night Music Show, where, you know, sometimes we actually do talk about music. We are here with our superstar producer, wingman, engineer, Howie Darkstar. He is back. In, I am back. In Jersey. Yeah, back in Jersey, yeah. He, he had a safe trip last night, and he got back really fast, too, because... I did. I was, I was in the chat, and all of a sudden, the guy pops in, so he, he made good time on the road. Despite a storm, I guess you had a storm, right? Yeah, a little bit of a... Yeah, actually, we were we couldn't go more than five miles an hour. It was... it was yeah, I couldn't see the taillights of the car in front of me. I was actually going to stop, but, you know, yeah. But then when it, when it cleared, 80 miles an hour all the way home. Oh, wait, I didn't say that. I didn't say that publicly. No, 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 I didn't hear that either. (laughs) Some of the guys were were like, oh, Howie's on the road. I'm I'm worried. I'm like, what are you worried about? This guy's got new tires. He's got a truck he trusts. He's been through it. Yeah, he's fine. Road dog, he's going to be just fine. Oh, yeah. It's good to have you back and safe. Well, thank you, sir. And and Jay is still in in Boston. I'm in Boston. Mm. I'm in another hotel. Another hotel. Copyright flag. Oh, geez. Here we go. Here we go. Have you noticed like Brian's background is always the same. My background is always the same. And Jay's is always the same. It's a hotel room. Right. I got to start doing green screen of different hotel lobbies. Where are you this week? I'm in the Marriott in Shanghai. <laughs> some some one of those like abandoned properties in, in in like the Eastern Block or something. That would be good. Yeah, this was a great hotel back in the 70s until, you know, war. Yeah. Right? There, there was a time. The Turks invaded and it's been empty for 40 years, but I'm here and I'm having a good time. Yeah. So it's uh, awesome. I, I don't usually give these guys a topic for the show. Just yeah, we're more fun just to throw stuff at them. Yeah. And I don't know if they're even prepared for this. I, I think they can speak intelligently on it. Both of them can, even if they're not particularly prepared for it. I was going to do my own. Guy. But no, you're going to be fine. <laughs> I was going to do my own video on this on my channel. I may still. And I actually okay. shot it and I said, nah. Now, this is more of a conversation than a than mm-hmm. a me just talking thing. Okay. I watched the Beatles get back on Disney Plus. Oh, yes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Have any of you seen the Beatles get back on Disney Plus? Yes. Just excerpts of it. I've not I'm going to watch it, but I have not seen it. And I've heard I, varying opinions. So I'm interested to hear yours. First right. Ep- well, I only saw the first episode. Okay. Well, I, I mean very impressed. It, it's not that there's going to be spoilers on here because we all know what happened. I mean, right. You know, right. But I just wanted to talk about some of the things that I saw on the show that I felt were pretty inspirational, not mm-hmm. only, you know, as, as a, a music person, but actually as a person person. And, and part of that is a DJ person, you know, there's stuff in there that I think, you know, are actually valuable takeaway lessons that I think we can all learn from. Mm-hmm. So I will just say, first of all, before I talk about anything that I saw on the show, is that, well, Peter Jackson directed it. The film has been restored. And for those of you who don't know, have been, you know, living under a rock, this is documentary footage that was shot in 1969, primarily during the 
recording sessions or creative sessions for the Let It Be album. Yes. Leading up to the rooftop concert, which is when yes. it pretty much climaxes at the end. Mm-hmm. It takes place part in on a soundstage and then they eventually move it to Apple. It's good if you haven't seen it, but I, I will tell you that the first thing that I just found striking, like it just, it hit me immediately. They were kids. Oh, big time. The early twenties. Well, amazing. Nobody was 30 yet. Right. John and Ringo were both 28. They were the oldest. Yes. Paul was like, I think 25 or 24. And George was 23 years old. Oh, he was the youngest. Wow. 20. Yeah. Ringo's 80 now, by the way. Wow. Yeah. 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 So Paul's 78, 77. Yeah, I mean, this was January of that year. So if that, mm. you know, that twists the math a little bit, it's January of 69. So they were all kids. Yeah, totally. And they went to work every day. That's what they did. They were recording artists, studio recording artists. Mm-hmm. They got up and they went to work. And that's their job. That's what they did. And they'd been doing this together since they were tiny, since they were like young teenagers, they'd been together. Didn't they start in 65 at the cave somewhere? Or it was something well before that. Or it was well it was before like that. 62, I think, really. Well, we're, oh, what really? you guys are talking about are albums. They were a band before that. Oh, they were a band like in 58, weren't they? Something ridiculous. Yeah, 57, I mean, right. 58. That was when they had Pete Best as the drummer. They played in these little clubs and they, yeah, and they did that's covers. before the Cavern. Mm. Right. Germany. Oh, it was before the Cavern. Okay. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was before that. So, mm. I mean, I don't know. Before I've been to Liverpool, yeah. by the way. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. saying that to boast. I'm saying that because I've got some perspective here. I've seen their childhood homes. Yeah, and I've I've met people in Liverpool, and I've talked to people in Liverpool. I mean, just random people on the street. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I, I mean, I know this is many years later, but Liverpool is a very working class place. It, it's mm-hmm. I don't know how else to say it. It's kind of rough, you know. I mean, it's 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 got a ruggedness about it, and the people there are a little rough. I mean, I don't know how else to say it's, it. It's a working class town. Bet, well, it it yeah, and and then some. I mean, it's it's very harbor city kind of stuff. And Sounds like Boston. Maybe Boston a long Boston's time ago. a little bit. Yeah, Boston a long time ago was a working class town. Now Boston is filled with a bunch of like rich like m- millennials that wear weird clothes. I like Liverpool, by the way. I mean, I, I like the city and I, I love the things that I saw. I did do a Beatles tour in Liverpool. And saw Penny Lane, cool. Strawberry Fields, and the barbershop, and their houses. Yeah. I saw, um, in fact, it was really kind of the most, I, I guess, standout things that I saw there. We went to this, it was several blocks that was kind of barricaded off. It was, um, you know, they were going to demolish it to build low-income housing. They were row houses from the early 20th century. They were wow. very tiny 
there was no one on the street. It was so peaceful. And that's where Ringo was born. It was just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And, and I got to see it like three weeks before they knocked it over. I got pictures of it. It's, it's real cool. I was there with Mikey oh, Mike cool. and Chris Bedke and Brian Dowdle. It was really neat. Um, mm. But by the, by the way, check out the James Corden, the carpool karaoke. With I've Bob seen McCartney. that. Yes. Yeah, I've seen and they that. go to Very his good. house and he's in the yeah. room with the piano going, yeah, this is the piano. Yeah. And my dad would sit there and John and I would sit mm -hmm. here and we did a song and we're like, she loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's like, boys, no, she loves you. Yes. And we're like, that doesn't sound as good. She loves you. Yes, yes, yes. Now we'll yeah. do the yeah. We're going to do the yeah, <laughs> like, dad. Yeah, actually, but that was the, the longest carpool karaoke he's ever done because he yeah. did a whole hour with Paul. It was worth it. It's well, a Paul's it got very to say. Well, yeah. yeah, and I want to talk about Paul, but but first, I think I should save him for a little later. Uh, first, I think I should probably talk okay. about Ringo. Mm. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace well, and love. That's that's the perception of Ringo. This is what I saw in the doc, and I'm sure how we saw the same thing. Yeah. Ringo was the first one there. Yep. Every day. Every day. And no attitude. He sat behind that drum kit and waited for somebody mm -hmm. to come up with something and he put a beat behind it. That's what Ringo did. He was always paying attention and everyone loved Ringo. I mean, you could hear people talking about him. You know how much how cool Ringo was, and how I just love Ringo. He's so great, and he was. You know what his real name is? I I, I was just trying I, to think of it, and I knew you were going to mention it, and I'm like, God, what what is it? Well, the reason I'm mentioning it because this yeah. was the one standout of the whole show. Richard Starkey. Yeah, I think Richard that's Starkey it. is his name. Yes. Yes. All right. What do I win? Okay. Oh, well, uh, well, here 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 was the part that blew my mind. Pizza. It might have been the second or the second or third day. Um, I think Paul was actually there first, but and then Ringo came in, and Paul looks up and he says, "Oh, hey, Rich." It was like, "What, really?" He called him Rich. Wow. I mean, you know, whatever. But as a person who's just known who they were our whole lives, mm -hmm. you know, they just call him, "Hey, Rich, what's up?" Maple. And it was just the most nonchalant thing in the world. But I thought that was I don't know, it was surreal in a way. It was kind of neat to to see and hear. I mean, just very candidly. Well, in that relationship, they're not the Beatles. They're just four they guys were writing families. songs. These right. guys were family. Yeah. Um, therefore, I mean, I you know, you're gonna give a different perspective, but the one endearing thing I've heard from everyone that has seen it is they've all synonymously said they don't blame Yoko Ono. No, they well, don't. I'm, I'll get to that. Okay. I'll, I Because I I've thought about this. and Are we jumping I'll, ahead? I'll, 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 no, we were fine. But I, I do want to talk about the Yoko thing. Right. I just want to talk about the boys first. Um, so next, I guess we'll talk about Paul. And, yeah. and, and Paul, I don't know how else to say it. Man's a machine. Yeah, he's prolific. He was, he was like 24, 25 years old. And, mm -hmm. and the, the situation was this, Jay. Uh, they, they, this, is, this was their process, okay? Yeah. It was the beginning of January, and like the third or fourth week of January, they were supposed to have an album done. They hadn't done anything. 
So what they would do is they would go to the studio and write the album, mm-hmm. record the album, and then they were done. Then it was over. And then they'd start over and they did it again with Abbey Road after that, but we didn't see that. Right. That's how they did it. Like they did several a year like this. This wasn't just like a, oh, well, we're going to take a year and write our next album. No, let's go to the studio and work it out. So right. there's pressure there, right? So Paul is just sitting there like, I don't know, trying to come up with something. And you watch him come up with Get Back. Yeah. Like just, just, just noodling comes up with it. You watch mm-hmm. him come up with, um, oh, let it be. You watch him come up with, um, what was the other one he did that was just like, whoa, Long and Winding Road. Just, mm-hmm. just like off the hat, he's coming up with this stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, no, I, every, everyone is pointing to that. And the, the other funny characteristic is, I hear this a lot, they started yelling at the TV because there are times, I haven't seen it, but there are times where Paul doesn't have lyrics yet. Right. Or he's singing a lyric that's not the final lyric, and you're yeah. watching him going, no, you're supposed to say, get back, get back, get back to where you once belong, instead of like, da-da-da-da, like... You know, oh, yeah. you, you me, know you mean, we're yelling at the TV because right. he's yeah the viewers okay. yelling yeah. TV going like what do you know you're gonna say this because we already know the future right we're almost there we're almost there yeah yeah well yeah they, I I've heard that they have um, a term it's like they have oh they're using place fillers until they figure it out and they'll just either oh, yeah, hum exactly. or say it yeah it's a place filler until we figure it out. Yeah. Oh, well, it's yeah. They they do this humming like every mm-hmm. artist does this. They don't have the lyrics mm-hmm. yet, so they're like, okay, the song's going to go like on my own. But the rest is like on like they'll have a line and they'll just fill in gaps just to get the melodies out. Yeah, yeah. With the Beatles, it's like these are prolific historical pieces. They all did it a little different though. That was so interesting because John. Okay. And well, John and Paul, first of all, they almost had like a secret twin language because they, yeah. they knew yeah. they, they didn't talk about things much. They would just do things that they anticipated the other person wanted yeah. and would come up with stuff. It was really neat to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, John seemed like he came in a little more prepared with a foundation of a song ready to go. And he would start playing it. And then everybody else would just kind of fall in and fill in the blanks. So it was a little Mm -hmm. different. Paul was doing it on the fly where I think John came in with something. He didn't Mm -hmm. just, it just didn't come out in the studio. That just wasn't his process. Um, George was different. Oh, and I will say this about uh, John too. Hilarious. John Lennon by far was the comedian. He was so funny. Mm -hmm. And you wouldn't expect that. No, that's, he was, John is the funny one. They were all funny, but John was really the funny one. And, and mm-hmm. Paul's funny too, but it, it was usually because George was egging him on to do it. Mm-hmm. It was interesting. Paul just didn't goof off on his own. If George instigated him, he would goof off. Well, but, they, they have such a famous relationship mm-hmm. and the, the time, the fights and the, this and that. And Paul McCartney recently told the story real quick of, you know, getting in an argument with John and John flipping out and kind of yelling at Paul and Paul yelling at John and John going like this. It's just me. Like lowering his glasses and saying to Paul McCartney, it's just me, John. And putting his glasses back and then going back to the argument as if to say like, you know, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. 
if you if when you see the doc you'll get it yeah it's it's yeah. really neat yeah george mm-hmm. uh he had uh i mean okay first of all 23 years old right he'd been a superstar for what seven years already maybe at least yeah and he's 23 years old it's crazy and wow but but his i mean and all of these guys are stupid creative and right. just just so prolific mm-hmm. george didn't create the same way paul did or john did or even ringo did more probably similar to ringo i guess george wasn't the guy to sit in the studio and come up with something george was the guy who would have nothing one day nothing the next day nothing the next day and then one day he would just come in the morning say up got something and he'd Mm -hmm. had to get it out right away and it would be a bar or a line or something and then everybody would kind of like okay how about this and then they'd work it out that way collectively Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was always a different creative process. And and now that I've mentioned all of them, you talked about fights. You didn't see a fight in this thing. No, that's what I keep hearing. That's you the didn't thing see about, a fight. Right. That's what I keep hearing that they got along yeah. really, really well. Like 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 really so, exposed those myths and stories that we've heard all these years. So mature or false. So mature. For young 20 somethings. Yeah. George got George got annoyed. And I know why he got annoyed. Well he left at one point. He During did the recording he left. He did. He yeah. did. And, and and here's why he left. I it took me I, I know this to kind of work it out. So, mm-hmm. so Paul's working out, get back. All right. And he's got this, it's in his head. I mean, he could play it on the piano. I didn't hear him, but he could every note. He could hear it. And George is jumping in with what he thinks might be cool. And Paul's like, uh, uh-uh, don't do it like that. Do it like this. Try it like this. And George is like, okay, fine. I'll play what you want me to play. And he would play it. So, that's pretty much what it was and that's it that that was why he was upset and it sounds stupid but if you think about it you've got this guy who's coming up with these great songs he's young he's not upset he's not pissed he's not yelling at anybody but he's like how come paul's treating me like a session musician right now right i i i usually jump in and add my own thing paul already had this concept so you can't get really mad at paul because paul had a vision you can't get mad at john because john's like dude I'm not a hired hand here. I'm a beetle. Right. Mm-hmm. But they didn't yell about it. It was literally like this. Okay, well, I'm not coming in tomorrow. I guess this is my last day. And they thought he was probably joking around and dismissed it and he walked away. That's as bad as a guy. That's all it was. Mm-hmm. And he came back. They talked out and he came back. Yeah. He was also very uncomfortable with uh, what they were trying to do. They They were going to initially do some television special thing with an audience mm-hmm. and George wasn't into it. So he was uncomfortable with the situation. He was uncomfortable with the studio they were in. He didn't like the surroundings. And then Paul's treating him like a session guy. So he got annoyed. And at 23 years old, he didn't lose his shit. He just said, you know what? I got to walk away from this. So he did. But nobody yelled and screamed at each other. Everybody was kind to each other. Uh, Another scene that, that just stuck with me was, you know, all these songs that they're coming up with off of the Let It Be album that you know would come to pass and they asked gringo early on what do you got he's like i really don't have anything everything i have is kind of slow and it's i don't really have anything but he's there to support they're all there to support each other 
So, so Rico just was sitting there one day. He's like, I don't know. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden. Octopus bird. Yeah. And, 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 yeah, and instead of everybody looking at him like, are you high? No, get out of here with that. They're like, hmm, what if we did it like this? They were all just like ready to help each other and ready to be yes. there for each other. No matter what the idea was, they weren't saying that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't do that. They were just, hmm, let's try this. Yeah. And they went with it. That was so cool. And yeah. again, I got to go back to what I said initially. These were kids doing this. Yeah. I don't know adults who can do this. Like, like grown, established, mature people who can be this cool and have this kind of demeanor with any individual, let alone a group of individuals. It was just fascinating to watch. Yeah. I've, I've heard people say that they would like to see this done on other groups in the writing process and just see, because you get to see what comes from, what do you think of this to here's a song that you've loved for the last 40, 50 years. Like, and, right. and I think when you take the curtain down, sometimes it's awe-inspiring and other times it's not. Other times it's like, oh yeah, I was sitting around one day and I had this note in my head and 10 minutes later I wrote, girl, you really got me. Like, there isn't always a great, we want our songs we love, we want a big romantic story behind it. Like, there was a storm and you saw a horse run across a field and you wrote this. It's like, no, actually I was in the bathroom and I was shaving and I wrote it. Oh, well, that's not cool. I really don't no. think that there are many other bands out there that you could document like this. The only thing that stands sort of out is Metallica. Process. Metallica did that big, um, the monster video, which was a documentary on their process of writing St. Anger. But you know, that delves more into the fact that the band was so toxic with each other and all their issues. And, and this was the opposite. This no, was, that, yeah. that's what I'm hearing. Yeah, is that, no, this is like, hey, here's some like four cool guys. And by the way, when you say about talent with George, all things will pass. That came out like four years after this. So mm-hmm. his best solo project, I think, was his first album. And between what you see on this show and that, he still writes while my guitar gently weeps and brings in Eric Clapton. You hear him. him. You you hear the beginnings of him just noodling around with something. Yeah. In this doc. Yeah. Like they don't take it very. He's like, ah, what's how about this? I don't know. They didn't go much further than that, and it, it was just fascinating, though. The um, the thing I will say about the argument and just the composure and, and the demeanor that these gentlemen had, and versus the hype. And we see a lot of hype today. We we just do. It's part of our lives now. It's in politics. It's in music. It's in entertainment. It's everywhere, especially with social right. media. Mm. So so that was pretty much the conversation. Look, I got to get out of here. There was no yelling and screaming or anything left. So they're reading in the paper a couple of days later. How John, they're sitting there all together reading this, how John and George had a fist fight. And they're laughing. What is this? I mean, we clearly saw there was no fistfight. Right. But the papers were reporting that it was this thing. Right. And then there's some journalist writing some smack about the Beatles and how they're not the same and they're self-destructive and all those. Paul is reading this article in a funny voice and the, and, and the other guys are like 
playing music to it in the background like they made a song out of it it's really funny it's yeah. it's very funny it's like an editorial on who they are and uh, there has been uh, the beatles are has been and you hear them just jamming in the background ringo it was very funny i want to now now you know we can address the 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 yoko in the room if you'd like yoko i so yeah i haven't seen it so i'm i'm interested to see this cuz it's it's been the big thing i've heard from everyone is like she was actually oh, and by the way yoko didn't quiet. break him up i'm like what do you mean the, no nothing broke him up they weren't even well, fighting they got well, along perfectly well no they just you know well the, about yoko everyone was cool with yoko yeah everyone mm-hmm. in fact they even let her get on the mic and would jam and let her make noises like, which is all yeah, she's doing. That's what she does. But, but yeah. they were like, "Hey, yeah, cool." And they would, they, they weren't like joking around or goofing on her or anything. Everybody was totally respectful of Yoko. So, do you think someone said this, and it's an interesting perspective because John Lennon had such a tough life, especially with women in his lives, with his mother dying and just being kind of alone. Do you think that he latched on to Yoko and she was everywhere he was as some sort of a safety blanket, like a security thing? Because I've heard that a couple of times too. Like you can see that she's almost a mother to him as much as a girlfriend. Uh, everywhere she is, he is and vice versa. Like they're I almost symbiotic. I didn't pick up on the, on the mothering part. I, but, but, and I didn't but even I pick up close. I didn't even pick up on John being, hyper attentive to her because he was there to do things right she was no i think but physically heard... touching him next to him while he's right. doing it yes and she's never more than a few feet away from him at that's that's time. the point they were trying to make was that she's so close to him but it might be to make up for the losses that he had in his life when he was younger but he wasn't necessarily hyper focused on her yeah there were times when they would dance around and talk right. or whatever but Right. Most of the time he was working and him and Paul were having conversations and joking around and writing together. Right. You know, John's finishing Paul songs because that's what he did. Um, mm-hmm. So, no, I don't think Yoko went in there and, and tried to cause friction. I, what I think happened, and, and it's one of those things you got to read between the lines. Paul talks about this because they're, they're interviewing him just casually interviewing him. And it's mentioned twice and it's almost the same responses every time. And Paul is cool about it. He's not resentful about it or anything else, but they said, you and John don't write together much anymore. Do you? He says, no, so I just, you know, I'm doing it. But why not? He said, well, we just kind of live together. We were on tour. We were sharing the same hotel rooms. You know, mm-hmm. we, were, we were together. We were a couple, and that's what we did. We wrote, and we bounced ideas off of each other. But, you know, for the last two years, Yoko, he's been with Yoko all the time, and it's just not the same. So I think that was it. And, and when I really think about it, I mean, and maybe I'm way off here, but I'm looking at the Beatles as a process. And this was the process that we didn't see before Yoko came along. John and Paul would write this stuff down. They would come into the studio and say, okay, here's something more than a foundation. Here's something a little more complete. Ringo, put a beat behind it. George, would you like to put a riff behind it? Here's a song. 
where now it's like, okay, Paul, I'm under pressure to write. I got to write. I don't have John to do this anymore with me. If John doesn't happen to be here in the morning because he slept in, which is not a big deal. He eventually did come in. I got to get this stuff knocked out. We don't have the time we used to. So when that went away, the Beatles weren't the same because the process was different. It was just their process. I mean, those guys had been attached at the hip since they were like 17, 18 years old. Yeah. But, But, you know, I don't find this unusual in any different than like, okay, you had high school friends. All right. And, oh, man, you guys are really close. You did everything together. Then your friend gets a girlfriend and Mm -hmm. he starts to have a life where they get married and the friendships just naturally drift apart. And I think it was a natural process. They I don't think that they broke up, per se, that as as much as they did as much as they could with their art and then they went their own ways. I mean, George wanted to do his own solo project. Yeah, he did. You know, while he was still a Beatle. Right. And then Paul, well, we know what happened with him. We, with the wings, he great success. So just a natural progression to me. (laughs) I mean, just a natural progression of life, really. And, and, and I guess that's how I'm looking at it. I didn't look at it as a breakup. I looked at it as an evolution. Yeah. And and I always kind of have, because I mean, I've made no secret that I enjoy the music that they do as individuals more so than I do what they did as a group. I, I prefer that any right. given, all of them, all of them have something to bring to the table because I would sense this power struggle in Beatles songs where nobody was really shining like they should, because they were all, they all had to have a piece of it where with, with Paul McCartney or with John Lennon or Harrison or even Ringo, you could, you could hear them, you know, this is what they sound like. Yes, of course. Of course, this is a Paul McCartney song. And then you go back to mm-hmm. Beatles and you hear Beatles songs. And say, okay. That's a Paul song. That's a John song. Okay. That's George. That's Ringo. You can pick it apart better. It was almost like a super group. Like it should have been the other way around. Like they should have been solo artists. I mean, obviously they had to grow at, together as a as a family and as a band, but it was almost like a super group. Opposed yeah. To, yeah. But I th- I gotta say this. My favorite part that I identified with was when they were struggling, where where should we do this? Or should we do theater? And then off the cuff, Paul says, Why not on the roof? And I thought, you know. That's something I would have said when I was in my 20s. Like when I said, why not? Why don't I skydive into my concert? That would they be brought cool. the idea to him. Right. And, and, and they like the I forget the names. There was there was uh, Gwen and somebody else. They, uh, it might it might have been um, oh, who, who was their producer at the time. What's wrong with George me? Martin? George Martin came to him and, and you could see the footage of them telling him this. You can't mm-hmm. hear what they're saying because I think John and George are jamming in the background with Ringo, but they're mm-hmm. talking to him and Paul's like, and, you know, it's yeah. like, you could, and he's like, oh yeah, yeah, this is, this. so then That's, Paul presents it to the group. Yeah. Then it makes it a whole yeah. art performance. It's like a great song. They're doing it on the roof. 
And now it's like, and then the police get caught. Look, as soon as the cops are called, there's going to be stories and legends. And that's exactly what happened. Well, George was not down with any of this. Like he (laughs) just wasn't like, I don't want to do this. And, and then like, well, you know, I think we should. I don't want to do it though. Well, yeah, but I think we should. Once he was up there, once he was up there, he was nothing but smiles. Like he liked it. I find that odd. He was the youngest, but he was thinking older than the other guys. Like, oh, we shouldn't be on the roof. You know, well, you know how it is. I mean, Jay, you know how it is. There are certain friends that you have that you know so well that you, you'll like, I can say to you, you're going to love this song, Jay. Like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to listen to this song by some band I hate. It's like, no, no, no. I think you'll like this one. Just give it a try. It's like they knew George better than George yeah. knew himself. The group knew him that well. It's like, I know you don't want to do this, but we're not even worried about it because once you do it, you're going to love it. And he did. Yeah. And you can see it in his face. He was all smiles. Well, if he was like in dread or uncomfortable he wouldn't be smiling like that he had no reason to smile like that they're really an anomaly because when they first met they're so young and in such a sheltered place mm. that they had to grow up in the world together so that yeah. that dynamic is different yeah most bands have their whole lives to write the first mm-hmm. album and then six months to write the second they never stopped writing great albums no. it isn't like people no, they nobody says oh the beatles are really good except for these four albums i mean <laughs> There wasn't a bad album. Yeah. No, there isn't a bad album. Like <laughs> everything is really, really good. So yeah, but they just—they were just a machine that just kept putting out. Yeah. In, and it came down to that chemistry. I mean, I didn't know this till the other day when I heard Paul McCartney in an interview. Do you know that he played every part on the first Wings album? Yes. Every. Instant. I'm sure he did. Yeah, yeah, no, he it was did. like he did pull like a Prince on Purple Rain thing. Or he Stevie played, Wonder. He or Lenny Kravitz. Yeah. yeah. yeah he or did everything. Uh, Todd Rundgren or Trent Reznor. Yeah. 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 He did all the instrumentation. Interesting. Interestingly enough, any one of those boys could have jumped on any of those instruments and played and they did. And yes, you saw everybody was behind that drum kit. Oh yeah. yeah. Everybody picked up a bass. Everybody picked up a guitar. Everybody Mm -hmm. sat at the piano at one time or another. They could all play each other's instruments and well. Yeah. That's, it was neat. There's an album that Paul McCartney plays drums on. There's a song by another artist and I, it's either Dave Grohl, Foo Fighters, or something. And they called him up and like, hey, man, we got this song. Would you be interested in playing on it? He's like, sure, I'll do drums. <laughs> and they're like, what? He's like, yeah, I got this beat in my yeah, head. Yeah, I'll do really that. Work. So Paul McCartney's credit is playing drums on a song on somebody else's album <laughs> that he's also singing on. But he was like, That's no, cool. I, I'll, I'll do the drums. Yeah. Yeah. He could. I, he could play yeah. anything. There was no, there was no well, sense artists. of you can't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was no sense of, yeah, yeah, we have to find out. And they didn't have, and you know, the beauty of it, and I'm glad it happened when it did, because if it happened today with all the digital technology, they'd be in the studio for 45 years trying to make one song. These were the not jaded dudes. technology would mess it up. I mean, these were not jaded dudes. No, these were they grounded. Were like, Here you go. Here's cool, the chords. Nice Do this guys. and go. Mm-hmm. And, and, and they wanted to be there and they got along and they were happy and they mm-hmm. screwed off constantly. I heard they smoked a ton. But 
Yeah, but to everybody smoked a ton back then. But no, I know, but it's like screw it's, off that much. They were that putting too, out like, a new album so every six months, not yeah. like oh, we're taking off two years, we'll be back with another album. No. They were just like you said earlier, a machine. My just God. They go in, they, <sighs> they 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 would they would just bust butt for for weeks. I can then- remember seriously there's an okay new Beatle album coming out. People were waiting out outside on the sidewalk, waiting for the music store to open up because they wanted to get that album, not a single. They wanted the whole album, which probably had seven songs, eight songs was maybe 35 minutes long. Whole album, (laughs) really good seven or eight songs. But I'm saying, like you look at today with like 15, 16 tracks, it's an hour and ten minutes long. And it's all fluff. And these guys are putting out right. seven or eight masterpieces on one piece of vinyl. And then they wait six months and here comes it. Well, everyone did that to a certain extent. Elton John's first few albums, same thing. Album, mm-hmm. tour, album, tour. He Every year albums came out, every religiously. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were also saying how they, they had mentioned that in the early days or in the first part of their career, I guess I should say, they toured constantly. Yes. And once they stopped doing that, they had a lot more time to write and concentrate. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, you come up with things when you're on the road and they obviously did, but when they were able to sit down in a studio together or sit at home and write together and just not worried about this constant touring thing, they, they got a lot more done. Their last live show in front of an audience, not counting this one, was years before, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, wasn't been it three like years. Ye- yeah, been three years. Yeah, it was like it'd been yeah, three years, years, and they hadn't played live. Mm-hmm. Right, and they were still putting out product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you think of outside of their beginning, beginning. When you think of their actual album process, they were together for seven years. They were this products for seven years, and then broke up. Yeah, yeah, but but that uh, was that a, was a different time. That's all that, was a, that was a different time when you actually would make a fortune selling your albums your music not getting the spotify pennies oh, now these poor artists have to tour mm. that's where they make their money that on that right. and the merch no 100 percent. yeah the tour was you to know, support the album now well i mean look at the early right. game. how many right. albums did steely dan put out before they toured right i don't they weren't know even a band i i would I guess know. they put out five or six albums i can't buy it for was the first album i right yeah but I, I don't think they toured well until late in the 70s. I remember that they brought on, I don't remember his name, but they brought in a guy, uh, a second singer, because Donald Fagan didn't want to sing on tour. So they brought this guy in for the Can't Buy I a heard Thrill album. Story. And he's the guy who's, who's singing on Dirty Work. Yes. Yeah, I don't remember his name. And he didn't, I, yeah, he didn't make either. the second album. But his <laughs> purpose was, was to be the touring singer. Yeah, yes. Donald Fagan didn't want to yes. do it. Well, they couldn't mm-hmm. figure out the touring band because they would have entire bands come in on Monday and then a different band on Tuesday and then the same Monday band on Wednesday. Like mm-hmm. it was a revolving band door. I mean, they're yeah, it was notorious. it was an all star band. Yeah, you would have yeah, like twelve yeah. guitar players from Larry Carlton, and <laughs> Jeff Skunk Baxter, and Rick Derringer, and right, Jay, you know, Jay Groden, like all these players down the road. I'll be on one album. Like, how are you going to tour that? I have a now spoiler. Have have a spoiler alert for you here okay. about this that you, you probably know about you probably know but it was cool because they're they're coming up with all of these these tracks 
right? Yep. And and sometimes Paul feels obligated to be on the piano, but he really wants to be on the bass. And he keeps saying, we got to bring somebody in uh, to yes. be on keys. I know who came in. And and out of nowhere, Billy Preston just pops in to say hi. And I'm like, hey, do you want to sit in? We we need a guy. Yeah. So Billy Preston starts jamming. And he's the one who's coming up with all those little riffs and stuff and, and let it be. And, <laughs> and, and John says like several times, several times, he needs to just join the band. He needs to be the fifth Beatle. We, we need yeah. to just bring him in. Like, he's not even kidding. He's like, we need him for the, the he's going to be the fifth Beatle. Yeah. He's a new Beatle. I just think the Stones had the same him. feeling about him because he did, he did even more work with the Rolling Stones. Yeah, he, uh, yeah. he played with a lot of bands. He was the go-to pianist. He oh, was yeah. in town. I want to say he was in town to support something weird like Lillian Faithful or something like that. It was, it was or Lulu. That's what it was, Lulu. Um. There was some Lulu special on TV, and he was there for that. But yeah, they, they have just, to serve with love a little bit. They just grabbed them, <laughs> and and they didn't discuss money or anything. They just gave a a freaking electric piano and said go, and he yeah. did. And yeah, there was an yeah, organ he's... there, and he sit down and play that. And oh man, it was it was cool. And and he was just like, you know, he reminded me of Ringo. Yeah, where he was just ready to go. Yeah. Oh. You got a tune? Okay, I'll I'll put something behind it. And he knew right when to come in. Like he wasn't, you know, trying to showboat, but he knew where he could add to it, and he did, and it was good, and everyone agreed it was good, and it, it was just so neat to watch. It was yeah, so much fun. So I don't know. Just just I'll have to look it up, but Lana. there's he wrote something super famous for somebody else. And I can't for the life of me think of what it is, but he's, yeah, he wrote a famous track, not for Stevie Wonder, but for somebody, Billy Preston is the writer of a song that we all know, you know, almost like, you know, Stand By Me. It's not Stand By Me, but it's, it's some huge, huge song that I didn't know until sure. someone said, oh, Billy Preston wrote that. I'm like, he did? He was on the rooftop with them too. Yeah. He yes, played up there. he was. Yeah. 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 No, he... Yeah, super talented guy. And but then it was, like, it was just neat to see. Five years later, he's good. playing Bangladesh with George Harrison. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Like, oh, here's Billy Preston. I I highly yeah. recommend that Jay. You, I, I really know, want to watch it. I don't know if you yeah. have Disney I, I'm Plus, going to. but it I'll, I'll get it just for this. Yeah, get it just for that and cancel if you have to. You'll yeah, love a it. Bucks. As, yeah, no, as, I'm I'm really looking forward to it because I want to see the process. Well, I mean, that's what always yeah. blows my mind is how they come up from how did you get from A to B? And you mm -hmm. find out it was never a direct. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always it's, here. We are. We're all more than twice their ages. I mean, it's just incredible. And yeah. And they just, oh, my, they, their discipline, their demeanor, their canter, their, their just the tone they use in their voices, the, the, the funny banter back and forth. It's hilarious. They spend most of the time screwing off. I well, maybe it's half. It's kind of like time us. We spend most of the time off. screwing off. <laughs> it's it's worse. It's worse. Like oh my God. I never thought the day would come that I would come out of my mouth saying, "Oh, so we're like the Beatles." What no, song? not like I didn't mean it like that. But when he said screwing off all the time, oh. that's us. They would they would sing like their songs in funny voices. 
Like just they do a whole song and they would just start playing it. All of a sudden, Paul would just start singing it in a yeah. silly voice. There was a Lennon song on that album. I don't remember which one it was. But him and John sang it together. And they all sang it with their 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 teeth clenched like this and a funny voice. It was it was it was hilarious. They did a whole song like that. It was it's like, kind of like are you talking about like Jay when he does his impressions and grabs his mic and holds it close? <laughs> there you go. They weren't doing it for anybody but themselves, though. There was <laughs> right. nobody there. Right. The, the, but, the well, engineers and producers were in the other room. They were trying to do their thing. There wasn't even but, tape rolling, and these guys are just doing this stuff. I can understand that, though. We, you know, you're you're stuck. They're actually working. They know they're working. And, okay, hey, you know, you, we got to let off a little steam and they let it off through music. You know, I think, I think that was part of it. And, I think the other part was just a warm up. And, and that could be, too, because they would yeah. bust into these like 50 songs and other people's mm-hmm. songs, just like boom or even contemporary stuff at the time, you know, stuff they liked or they were checking out and um like well let's play this song for a minute well there's no reason for it they just okay and but no one said nah i don't want to do that right now but it's like yeah sure and they would all do it it was weird yeah it yeah. was like i don't know it was like watching almost like a, a some some religious group move together it was just it was not normal you know it was almost cult-like it was just goofy like they were hive minds sometimes but it was oh yeah highly recommended dude you, you're gonna love it can you imagine the pressure yeah. on them at that age, though, with the world looking at them? Yeah, but they didn't seem to care. You, no, I know, but that, that's they didn't. They didn't. They didn't, didn't seem bother like them. Huh? Pressure. Yeah. No, I they know. Were that's what's kind of fun. Yeah. They were just like, having fun. No, they're saying this about us. Oh, oh well, well, so be it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whatever. <laughs> they awesome. didn't get mad. Yeah. Right. That's totally. They didn't awesome. get angry. Nobody I mean, got did you, did you feel like they were under pressure? I didn't. That no. Wasn't well, they put they themselves like, in the position. No one told them to do that. Right. They made the choice to do that or somebody. Yeah. Probably John and Paul made the choice to do that. And yeah. Ringo was like, okay, fine. And George's like, I don't know, man. They're like, ah, you'll be fine. Come on. And then he was. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't, and that's, I'm just speculating, but. You have yeah. to have a dynamic. You I think they needed to have some adjusting. sense of urgency to do something. So yeah. they, they do that to themselves perhaps i don't know yeah sometimes when you have a deadline it motivates you to actually finish a project of yeah whatever it worked out get it worked out kind of like you with like hey i want to get this done by winter time on the mustang and you do it because Mm -hmm. the cold is coming yeah you know you you had your deadline it really makes you feel like you're not doing enough of your life watching these guys do it yeah yeah that's so true though it's like (laughs) i'm a loser yeah i just suck this is not going to help with the self-esteem department (laughs) no not at all (laughs) but the crazy part about it is what did you do Uh, the the crazy part about it is those guys would be like oh no you're fine man you're doing your thing you're good they'd honestly say that and they'd mean it because they were that cool yeah. They would be like, I wrote get back. And what did you do today? They they're not those guys. They right. were just so chill about everything. I don't know, man. One of the most impressive things I've seen in a long time. And and I know yeah. some people are looking at it and saying, ah, it's six hours of them. Like, oh, you weren't by, paying attention. And right. you obviously, and right. I'm not even a Beatles fan. Right. I mean, right. you know that. I've said that. I mean, I, I like them, but I'm not like that guy. No, you're not that guy. No, you're a Paul fan, but not a Beatles. Well, I like them all individually. Yeah, yeah. you don't like them collectively. 
Well, as much. they're okay collectively. I prefer them individually. Right. And, and that's that's something that I just really got to be careful, and I really got to make sure that. Oh, that I, so I you're clarify. the guy that like where the corn and the mashed potatoes and the meat can't touch each other on no. the plate, right? That's my brother. Still got the triangle. That is for real, my brother. <laughs> He's my got brother the separators totally like on that. the plate, like <laughs> like five year olds have, where like everything is broken. Yeah. Up. No, it's just it's just just because I prefer them as solo artists doesn't mean I dislike them as a band. No, it just means I prefer yeah. them as solo artists. Now, yeah. question real quick: Would you would you watch more of this? Probably. Because uh, Peter Jackson is supposed to release, he didn't release all of it. There's supposedly no. like a 16-hour director's cut. There's, he said that there was, I think, 60 hours of footage and yeah, 150 I heard hours of audio. That's what I heard. Something yeah. like that. And there's a 16-hour yeah. director's cut. Because some oh, of the, the only, that. the only thing I've, the only thing I've heard was that was negative was he left too much in. That some people feel he could have edited really? down even more. I and think I'm like, that, I haven't seen it. So I feel like some of it's boring, but it's only uh, boring if you don't like the Beatles or you don't want to see the process. You're I, I was mm. I, I don't know. How can I how can I say this? I don't know what words I'm looking for. I was there for the ride with them. Like when they were working the songs right, out. Right, I'm right. hanging there like I'm a member of the band. Right. And I'm listening. And I'm hearing little things. I'm, I, that's, yep, okay, you're almost there. Yeah. So it was almost an interactive experience for me. But it's a great if way to you're not it. a music person, if that's not, I mean, it's okay. I mean, I'm just going to say it. It's okay if you're a DJ and you're not a music person. Because not everybody who's a DJ is a music person. Not everybody who's a music person <laughs> is a DJ. If you're not, you need to get out of this room. Uh, you know what? I, I, I'm <laughs> not here. Last night said that. Not, not you, Brian. Someone. No, I, I heard. I heard about that. Yeah, no, but it, it's it's um, uh, how can I say this? I, I I don't know, man. I I was there and watching the creative process, and and it was so impressive to me. I well, probably it's, it's would watch inspiring. a longer version of it. It was. See, I would like to see a painter paint something. There's a lot of people. Yeah. I would love to see like the story behind Starry Nights and see if, if, if they found footage, which obviously, you know, I'm making this up because they don't have it, but you know, (laughs) if they had footage of Van Gogh, where he started, where he was standing when he, I mean, to me, that stuff's always very interesting. Like what was, Mm -hmm. what got you going? What was the creative process? The other night I played Melissa by the Almond Brothers and somebody made a comment. Mm -hmm. I love this song. I'm like, yeah, it comes from Greg Almond being in a grocery store. And a mother with a southern mm-hmm. accent going, Melissa, little sweet Melissa, come here. And that's all he had to hear was sweet Melissa. And he went home and wrote it. Took him like five minutes. Boom. Here you go. Sweet Melissa. And you know like, what? There's probably that, a lot I of stuff that. like that. Yeah, There's a lot I of stuff like that. that that probably, I mean, you could document it, but it wouldn't like, okay, what are we watching here? I I, yeah. I believe that this was unique. Oh, like, I This agree. is truly yeah. unique. I don't think you could have pulled this off with many other bands. You couldn't have no. done it with a lot of people. Stones, right. maybe. Uh, no, not even the stones. If, and we were talking about this, John and I, John C and I were talking about this last night. If you look at, and you were here too for it, were you Howie? Or were you not here yet? I think what time did I, I got in at four. My time. It was like, it was like three 30. So like four 30 your time, a little after after your time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We were talking about the stones and it somehow came up where Paul had said on social media that the Stones were a blues cover band and how that was right. Really, and that's true, but it's true. 
That was I their mean, first it, album was all covers. Yeah. yeah. And and I think it was Paul who said, Hey, you guys should try to write some of your own stuff because we like you. They mm-hmm. liked them well enough to put them on the cover of Sergeant Pepper. I mean, they yeah. did like the guys. Oh no, they did didn't have a battle with each other. But they were they were I think John C and it was interesting because I never thought of this. John C looked up like every Rolling Stones hit that was a cover. And it was a huge list. Oh, it's massive. Like mm-hmm. I was like, I thought that was theirs. Like I didn't realize that they'd covered that. And then something, oh, of course that's a cover. Yeah. You know, Black, but there weren't many Black songs Crows. they wrote. They mostly no. covered songs. Dude, Black mm-hmm. Crows, their biggest hit was Hard to Handle. Yeah. Guess what? It's a cover. Oh. Mm-hmm. Like it's if you look deep enough, all you got to do is go back to old blues, which is the yeah. DNA of the Stones, and like everything is a cover. John just like, chimed in and said, "Surprisingly long list," because he's here. Yes, yeah. absolutely, absolutely, surprisingly long list. It was it was fascinating. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, yeah. you so know I, that I could will... be a whole that could be a whole nother show. Is like <laughs> the Beatles did a few covers. Did, did had oh sure yeah they, they did a lot but they yeah. did they did a few. well you wouldn't have known it in the studio because all they did right. were just bust out and cover songs just to warm up like right. they were mm-hmm. constantly doing it and goofing on them and it was, oh mm-hmm. you, you got to see it yeah. now if, if you're into Michael Bay films uh, you know maybe this isn't for you because there's yeah. not a lot of action not a lot of there's not a lot of drama. No Camaros. Uh, there's there there's no, no like big <laughs> thing that happens at the end in the middle. It's right, a documentary right. film for music. You already know how it ends. It's so rare that no you see something and you're like, I know how this ends. Yeah, okay. and, and and just because you know how it ends doesn't mean it's Titanic. Okay, this is still right. a documentary. Yeah, yeah. right. So just be forewarned before you. Well, I watched it. It wasn't any fun. I didn't what see the hell? action. <laughs> I no, it's not the Kardashians either. Right. It's oh, legit thank God. behind thank the God. scenes footage of something. Yeah. They weren't playing to the camera at all. It was, it was good. But anyway, it's not spinal tap. Anyway, it, it was, I, I just wanted to do a show on it just to see how it would go. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. watch it. Absolutely. I, I think for it sure. I'm going to watch it. I apologize yeah. to both of you gentlemen for doing most of the talking tonight, but I it's really okay. have some, yeah. some no, thoughts to get off my topic. chest. No, it was. It was great. Very yeah. interesting. Will yeah. we visit it when we've all seen the whole thing? I'd love to. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At least touch on it, you know? No, I mean, it came out. Mm-hmm. I was in Vegas the next week, Phoenix, home for a week, which was Thanksgiving. And then I'm here in Boston. So it's like I've been sort sure. of running around. It's like right. oh, so now that name, I'm going to be back. You're, you're, you're not name dropping. You're city dropping right city now. City dropping, yeah. <laughs> Scottsdale. I am on the road again. Revere, <laughs> Massachusetts, near Everett. I've been everywhere, man. Side note, I didn't everywhere. take a photo, but there's an Encore casino here in Everett. And literally, oh. the skyline from here to Boston pretty much just has a huge windmill-like fan. And then the Encore. And you look at it like, fuck is that doing there? <laughs> like, and there's nothing really around it that's big. It's just sitting there in the middle of nothing. And I'm like, are they going to build more? No. No, just one. Jay, I have your theme song, Johnny Cash. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Yep. Yeah. That's a great there track. That's a great track. <laughs> it's a rap song, too. Oh, big time. oh, it's a huge rap song. You kidding? The original gangster rapper right there. <laughs> no Johnny Cash, no punk. <laughs> That's true. No Johnny Cash, no Howie uh, Dark Star outfits. 
you know, I, I I could take you guys down that the uh, the other rabbit hole that John C and I went down last night, which uh, was interestingly enough, I thought it was interesting, and I think the room thought it was interesting too, was the Howard Jones. But we'll mm. talk about that off camera. We'll talk about him off cool. camera a little bit. All right. Yeah. But thanks so much for watching, guys. I I, uh, I I'm sorry we actually gave you a music show tonight. Yeah. We, we didn't talk about. I'll be back in anything. Cali next week. Maybe it won't be about music. Yeah, you and LL Cool J. <laughs> I don't think so. All right, guys. Take care. We'll see you next week. <laughs>